accomplished so much in this church, just this little bitty church, this little bitty congregation in this room with what happens outside of here. What happens in the woods by Garland and Annette's house or, or, or what happens, Rebecca and her, her Facebook ministry, and if y'all don't know it, she's got one and it's massive. Um, she's bold. I love bold. I love bold. Bold, bold shakes the foundations. Uh, we were never told to be weak or shy or, or meek or any of those things. We were told to be bold. And so let's be bold. I, I think Susan uh, occasionally will call me to ask me a question. I think part of it, I think she wants an answer. Another part, I think she's trying to throw me. But we'll work on that. We'll work on that. But, but you know, uh, this morning there was a scripture that popped up. I think it was Second Kings, maybe First Kings 2.2. 2. The end of that scripture says, be a man. In other words, just go do what you're supposed to be doing. Don't back up. Just do what you're supposed to do. Be a man. Just don't, don't back down. Don't, don't, don't wiggle out of it. Just, just do it. Be a man. And I think people have a hard time doing that because, well, we don't want to insult anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to, we don't want to upset the apple cart. You know, my daddy used to make fun of me in a, in a kind way, it was jokingly. He said I was the head of the pot stirrers ministry because I would, always, I would always find that little thing that was being done out of rote, that it was just tradition. You know, you know, the old joke was, you know, how many whatevers does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is change. Mamaw gave us that light bulb. We're never gonna change that light bulb. And, and so, and that's kind of the way we are. If we don't stir the pot a little bit, nothing gets changed. There was a story we used to tell about a, a woman that she and her husband were sitting around one day and he walked in and, and, and she was making a roast and she took the roast. Have y'all heard this story? She cut the end off each end of the roast, put it in the pan and he just said, why are you doing that? She said, I don't know, mama did it. So they called mama. Well, mama, you know, I, I'm cutting the ends off this roast and cause that's the way you taught me to cook. Why'd you do it? Well, my mama did it. They called mama. Say, Mamma, why'd you cut the end off the roast? She said, because my pan was only about that big. <laughs> so, so what happens is things just become tradition and we think they're okay and we let it slide. We think, you know, for years people said, well, you don't want to be too aggressive in your, in your faith. You, wanna, you don't want to run people off. You don't want to be wide open out there because if you do, they may turn around and go the other way and, and we need to hang on to them. Well, that's not what we were taught to do. Not at all. Not at all. And, and so tonight, what I want to talk to you about just a little bit is in, uh, in 2 Timothy 4. Um, and I'll read it to you in just a second. Then we're going to tear it up. I kind of call it, Are You Prepared? And, and the first thing that came to me about this, honestly, this happened this, happened this morning at 4.30 this morning. This changed everything. Because like I said, what I had prepared does not fit us. It's another day, another group, another time, I'm good. But the thing that I, I woke up and I heard in my head was judge not. That has been so misused. Judge not. It didn't say judge not, period. It said judge not lest you be judged by the same standard, basically. It goes back to don't pick the speck out of your brother's eye if you, while you got a log in yours. It, it's, it's yes, you can pick that speck out of his eye. Once yours is out, then you can talk to him. But Judge Not basically had to do with everybody was making, making these comments about everybody else and they were doing the same stuff. It's just they were doing it 
maybe better hid than everybody else. And that, that's just not what we are. So it's okay. It's okay to say what you're doing is not right. What you're doing is taking you down a wrong path. I'll, I'll just say it out loud. Nobody from my family's watching this. But my brother, my brother's an atheist. My brother follows every, everything out there that you can follow that, you know, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he's a nice guy. He'd give you the shirt off his back. That doesn't protect you from hell. And I finally just told mom the other day, I said, you're about to be with him for a week. Share with him, testify to him, witness to him, tell him everything God's done for you. Because I said, he's going to hell, mom. You're not, I said, if you hurt his feelings, so what? So what? Maybe it'll, you know, knock some sense in his head. Great loving father, husband, he's a great guy. There's going to be a lot of great guys not go to heaven. A bunch of them. And we just have to realize that, that our job is not to dilly-dally around. How many of y'all watch Joe Morris videos? I know a bunch of you do. I do. Joe Morris talks about that hustle theology. I was talking to Joey and Pam tonight before, before we all got here. You know, I'm 100% convinced and have been for 100 years that I'm almost that old, that Revelation was never written to scare us. It wasn't written to make us freak out or to worry or to, it was to tell the Christians, know the signs. It's almost here. And like Joe Morris says, we're gonna have a hustle theology. And it's not hustle to get ourselves ready. We're ready, we're ready. Let's, I mean, really, anytime, we're ready. Let's get it. But, but it's so we'll have the boldness to go out there and share with those people around us. So who's the hardest people to talk to? Your family. That's the hardest. But let me tell you something. It, it goes down to when David slew that uncircumcised Philistine, as he called him. What was his preparation? Well, killed a bear, killed a lion, and he was protecting the flock that he didn't even own. But what it's talking about was that prepared him for the big battle. So, okay, how are we going to get prepared for that big battle? How are we going to get prepared to go talk to that person that is so hard to talk to? We share with the people that are easy to talk to. We get it out of our mouth. You know, I trained salespeople for 22 years. And salespeople tend to just not have a plan. They don't. You try to teach them things about your product, they don't study it, they don't remember it. So I would give them things to read things to read, but I told them I want you to read it out loud five times a day. Make your mouth move that way because you can't just think what you're reading and memorize it. I was in theater for a while. I love theater. I got out of it for a lot of reasons. I'll share another day. But in theater, you can't learn your lines if you're just thinking them. You can't do it because your mouth will not move that way. So there was one line I used to teach my salespeople that said, obviously you have a reason for saying that. Do you mind if I ask what it is? If I gave you that piece of paper right now with that written on it, typed on it, because my handwriting's so bad, typed on it, you would have trouble reading that because your mouth does not naturally move that way. Obviously, you have a reason for saying that. Do you mind if I ask what it is? It don't happen. It's hard. So when I was in interviewing people to hire, I'd give them a script and I'd say, take this home. I want you to read it five times a day for the next three days. Come see me Monday. 
Well, Monday they'd come in, they didn't have it. Oh, I memorized it. I'm not going to hire you, you didn't follow instructions. And then they'd bring it in. They, they thought just because all I wanted them to do was read it, all they had to do was read it. And they tried to read it and they'd fumble all over themselves. I'm not going to hire you either. So you're interviewing 30 people every Friday and you hire one. It's really how it went. So how are we going to be prepared with scripture? How can we be prepared in season and out of season if we don't read it? And if we don't read it out loud? I, I, I'm blessed in that I get to sit in my den, in my chair, early in the morning and read out loud. Because I can make my mouth move that way. I can make those words come out and my mouth gets used to it. And that's the way we have to be with the way we do our testimony. Share it with somebody that you know, somebody that you're close to, somebody that'll listen to you without stopping you and saying, I don't want to hear it. Get it out of your mouth. Get it out of your mouth so it's so normal so that when you finally do say it to that person on the street that is having a problem, that person that comes up to you and say, well, you claim you're a Christian. Tell me what you got. And it just falls out of your mouth, ready in season and out of season. So the reason I bring all that up and, and the judge not and all that is because here's what we've got to be ready to do. We've got to be ready just to be aggressive, not painfully aggressive, not walk up to somebody, you going to hell. We don't want to do that. That's not who we are. But what we are is we're, we're children of God. We're, we, are, we are sons and daughters of God. We are the righteousness of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. That gives us all kinds of of authority. According to Jesus, we've got all authority he had on earth. What do we say? What's scripture say? As he is, so are we in this world. I never knew Jesus to be shy. Not a time. Not a time. He was willing to step up and just, you know, if it was a leper, I, I will. And he heals him. Not one time did anybody ever pray for healing. Not one time. They spoke it. That's who we are. We don't, we don't beg God. If we beg God and he took it, then that would be him being a, a uh, uh, respecter of persons. Oh, Lynn prays harder and louder than anybody. So I'm going to answer his prayers. We can't do that. So this is all about boldness now. So in 2 Timothy 4, uh, 1 through 7, and forgive me, I, I broke a crown today. So if I stop because I got a little pain going on, bear with me for just a minute. But uh, anyway, it says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. I want to be able to say that. I want to be able to say I fought the good fight. I finished the course. You know what I'm saying? I want to know. I want to know when I walk out of here that I didn't leave anything on the table. I want to know that when I get through with this and when, when it's time for me to pack it and go, that I can go out of here with a smile on my face knowing that everybody I got in front of got a little bit of it. I may have just planted a seed. What was that song, If It Takes 15 Times? Do you remember that song? 
If it takes 15 times for somebody to hear about the Lord, I may be the first one that tells them. I might be the middle one. I might be the last one. But somebody's got to plant a seed. Somebody's got to water it. Somebody's got to, got to bring it to harvest. And God's going to get the glory through all of it, right? So we got to be that way. So when it says preach, here's what's so funny. I'm going to read, I want to read to you out of the original Greek. I won't speak Greek. I'll just tell you what the English words are. But I want to tell you what it would have said in Greek, okay? Because this is important. He says that um, make a public proclamation. Instead of, he says, preach the word. Make a public proclamation of the word of God with such formality. Formality. This is important stuff. So what have we done? And the, the modern church now has made Jesus and God our cosmic good buddy. Nothing insults me more as a Christian than to see somebody wear a shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy. Really? Is that the best you got? The creator of the universe is your homeboy. No, no. Let's have a little respect here. So, so when he talks about preaching it in formality, what we're saying is it is so important. It's so important. I'm going to proclaim it. And it says, it says, make a public proclamation of the word of God with such formality. In other words, Y'all listen, this is important. You need to hear what I'm about to tell you because it, it, it is life changing. It is your future. It is your forever because your decision you make right now, not you, you, your decision you make right now is everything. It's everything. And there is no urgency being laid out like that right now. I watched, I watched video after video. I've turned my TV on one time in the last, oh God, I guess it's been five months. And it was just because Pastor and Deborah Ann were at the house and I was showing them a, a video of somebody else I saw and I, I just cast it to the TV so we could watch that. But I, I watch videos all the time of other preachers. I wanna hear what they gotta say. I wanna hear how they say it. Y'all, there's, there, there's a lot of candy coating going on right now. It's like the Eminem ministry. You know, it'll melt in your mouth, not in your hand. There's nothing there. It's all covered, it, it's wrong. It's just wrong. But he said, make a public proclamation of the word of God with such formality, gravity, and authority that it must be heeded. You need to talk to people about Jesus with so much energy and so much fervor about what he's done to you that they even would think they would be stupid if they didn't jump in. I remember growing up, Billy Graham crusades, they were on... They were on ABC. I mean, they were on CBS. They were on the network. It was a big deal. And you watched them. They were a three-night crusade. You just watched it every night. And there'd just be thousands just running down there. When they had Billy Graham here in Tuscaloosa that time, I mean, it was just packed. People from all over the state just there. And, and you hardly ever hear that urgency out of anybody anymore. You know, Curry Blake says that he's been to churches to speak where they, they would hold up the service because they couldn't get the, the, the praise band wasn't ready yet. And he's like, when, do you, when did that become a necessity in preaching the word? You know, we've put, so, too, much, we've put too much inventory in the music. I, I'm a musician. I love music. Don't get me wrong. But we put too much into the music. We put too much into the formalities of the church, of the, of the, of the uh, liturgy of the church that we don't, we don't know why we're there. We forget. That's what I love about where we are and what we do here. 
it's kind of cut and dried. There's not a whole lot of whole lot of, of frou-frou that goes with it. We get up here and we talk about it. We get it out there because pastor is the quartermaster. He's the guy passing out the ammunition to get us ready to go out and fight the battle, right? But anyway, so make a public proclamation of the word of God with such formality, gravity, and authority that it must be heeded. Hold yourself in readiness for this proclamation when opportunity presents itself and when it doesn't. That's amazing. In season and out of season really means be ready when it's time. Be ready when it's not time. When is that? When is it not time? When you're sitting in the airport and somebody's sitting there next to you? Go ahead. You'll never see them again. Go ahead. There is nothing to be lost with this. You're not going to lose a friend over this. Be bold. When you're standing in the grocery line and somebody's standing there in their purse digging, trying to find change, be bold. Because here's what happens. We've all paid it forward, right? I mean, we all do, right? Some people have substituted that for tithing. Some people have substituted that for doing something God, well, God would want me to do that. Well, why don't you hand, when you pay it forward, hand the lady at the window an envelope that has scripture in it and say, hand this back to him whenever he pulls up or she pulls up to get her food. Turn it into a testimony. You know, don't swap it. Don't swap it. You know, I used to be the guy that said, well, I give this to the prison ministry and I give this to that. That's my tithing. No, it wasn't. That was a gift. That was a gift. That was just my excuse for not spending more money than I wanted to. It was a lie. Just call it what it is. So anyway, so when the opportunity presents itself and when it don't, don't be afraid to walk up to somebody and just say, you know, I don't know why, but I'll be praying for you tonight. It freaks them out. And then they'll tell you stuff. They will unload on you. They have been waiting all day for somebody to say something. They've been waiting all year for somebody to open that door to say, how can I pray for you? And, and I'm telling you, it is a rarity that anybody says, oh, I'm good. Hardly anybody will say that. Hardly anybody. So in season and out of season, when opportunity presents itself and when it doesn't, reprove so as to bring forth conviction. Okay. So reprove so as to bring forth conviction. If you've got somebody in your face, and they will be, once you kind of step out there, you don't even have to say a word. Somebody's going to, you know, you got, you got Conway Tweedy hair. People think you're a preacher. They, they talk to you about everything and they'll, they'll, they'll start stuff. They'll confront you. They just will. And when they do, then you need to be ready to, to, to say, okay, well, tell me about you. And when they do, if they brought it up, they're fair game, y'all. They are fair game. And so when it says reprove so as to bring forth conviction, you're not slapping them around. But what you are saying is, if you don't change your ways, your future's bleak and it's limited. You don't say you're going to hell. They figure that one out on their own. They're waiting on you to say it, but you don't. But you don't. You just, as pastor says, as the scripture says, tell them the truth in love. Make them understand that whatever I say to you, you know, my thing is don't ask if you don't want me to tell you. I mean, my filter is not good at all. So that's what this is talking about is 
it says, so as to bring forth conviction and confession of guilt. In other words, have you ever watched those, uh, what's his name, Ray Comfort? You ever watch the videos Ray Comfort does? He's the guy that used to hang around with, uh, uh, he was an actor that is a, a Kurt Cameron, he hangs around with Kurt Cameron. But Ray Comfort has videos of him witnessing to people on the beach in California. And he asks him all these questions. He'll say like, have you ever in your whole life, even as a child, stolen anything? Well, yeah, they'll say. Have you ever told a lie, even a lust? Oh, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever looked at a, a, a man or a woman with lust in your heart? Well, yeah. Okay, he said, I'm not saying this about you. You said it about yourself. You're a thieving, lying uh, <laughs> adulterer. And so they can't argue with it because they're the ones that said it, right? So once he tells them that, he says, and, and then he says, and if, and if you were to die today, based on that, would you go to heaven or hell? Based on what you just said about yourself, would you go to heaven or hell? That's how he starts his witness to them. And so they all, they all kind of jump in there and they're, they're all about it. Well, he's telling them that in love. He's not attacking them. He's trying to share Christ with them. And then they let him most of the time. I say most of the time, you know, all you see is the videos that he successfully completes. You don't see the ones where they hit him with a baseball bat. But we, but we also have to be ready for the baseball bat. We have to be ready to be shunned and pushed away. That's not our problem. Ain't nobody ever pushed you away for talking about Jesus that was pushing you away. They're pushing Jesus away. Their guilt is pushing Jesus away. But once you plant that seed in them, it works on them. It works on them at home. It works on them at work. They can't think straight while that's going on. I just I, I been there, done that. But anyway, so it said, reprove so as to bring forth conviction and confession of guilt. Rebuke sharply, it says, and with suggestions of impending penalty. So we go all the way from preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine to make a public proclamation of the word of God with such formality, gravity, and authority that must be heeded. Hold yourself in readiness for this proclamation when opportunity presents itself and when it doesn't. Reprove so as to bring forth conviction and confession of guilt. Rebuke sharply, severely, and with suggestions of impending penalty. But now here's the deal. Here's the deal. And it says, with all long suffering. We gotta be patient. We got we to take our time with them. We can't just run through it. You can't just go to somebody and give them a three-minute message on, you know, why you need to need Jesus. You know, I, I've heard people witness before. They'll say, well, you need to find the Lord. And the person would say, really, why? Because that's the best thing for you. Really, why? No testimony involved, none whatsoever. Just kind of doing the best they can. Now, I'm not saying nobody changed because of it. Somebody may have. There's preachers on TV I can't stand, but you know, it's like the disciples went to Jesus and said, they're casting out demons and they're not one of us. He said, well, leave them alone. Let them do it. You know, you never know. You never know what's going to pull somebody over the edge. But then he said, with long suffering, so we got to be patient, and with doctrine, the doctrine part's where people lose it. And the reason they do is because they tell their version of the doctrine. They tell their version of the story. I've heard people even witness and say, well, you know, the scripture says this, but. Well, but has no, no place in that conversation. If the scripture says this, then 
It's this. It's not this or or this and. It's this. That's all it is. And then here's why he told them that. Here was the fair warning, and we're living in it right now. They were living in it then, but now it's just like huge. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap themselves teachers having itching ears. So there's all these churches out there now. It started with a, 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 a bunch of them. But, uh, and I won't call the denomination, but about, what was it, 15 years ago, uh, a church that their own bylaws said that a, a deacon or a bishop could only be married one time to one woman. That's what it said. It said that no one that's divorced could ever be a bishop. They could not be divorced and remarried or divorced and they could not. Yet they had a man that left his wife for a woman, uh, for another man and they made him the bishop because frankly they were failing financially and they thought that they could go after one, one portion of the market. That's what they were doing. It was all about money. A good friend of mine was, was the priest at one of the local divisions of that. And he called me the night that happened just in tears. And I said, what's going on? He said, I just resigned. And he left. He went, to, he went to Texas and started a conservative, more conservative church. Um, but that's what's happened. That's what's happened is these churches now are trying to fill in every void. They're trying to answer every question, even the questions that have not been asked. They're trying to answer. They're trying to make everybody feel good before they walk in the door. They're trying to make it happy. Um, I know Garland and Annette watch a lot of Curry Blake. I, I know Susan. I watch a lot of it. Rebecca probably does. Pam and Joey. I, I guess we all do at some point. But I love it when he's at home and just on a regular Sunday. I like watching his Sundays. Uh, I like them because he even makes comments sometimes. He said, I'm about to do a, a lesson that I would rather tell a camera than to tell y'all in person because I'm about to hurt your feelings. Now, is he going to hurt their feelings because he wants to hurt their feelings? No, he's just going to tell them the truth. You know, Harry Truman, the thing years ago was give them hell, Harry. And he said, I'm just going to tell them the truth and they're going to think it's hell. That, that's, that's just how it was. And that's the way we have to be. We have to, we have to be able to tell the truth in love without concern of whose feelings gets hurt. You know, what good is it to protect somebody's feelings when you're not protecting them from hell? There is no good in that. None, none whatsoever. So, but anyway, uh, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Y'all, how many versions of salvation have y'all heard in your lifetime? You know, how many times have you heard somebody say, I do so and so and so and so, but God understands. Have y'all ever heard? I mean, that is the worst. That's a train wreck. That's just saying, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it but God knows I love him anyway. No, the rich young ruler. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Well, you know, honor your father and mother. Thou shalt have another God before me. Oh, I do all that stuff. Okay, sell what you got and give to the poor. He didn't say give it all to the poor. He didn't. He said, sell what you've got and give to the poor. And he hung his head and walked away sorrowful. In other words, he said, that's the part of me I don't want to give up. That's the part of me I don't want to give up. So the people that say, 
I can do this and that doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. In other words, that's a part of me I don't want to give up. So they go out and they find teachers that'll tell them what they want to hear and make them feel better about themselves. And they always ask these questions that are so... My daddy always said, if you had to ask if it's okay, it ain't. I mean, that's, that's pretty cut and dried. You know, you know the rules. You've lived in the rules for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. If you have to ask, you already know. So, so just stop. But why, why are there so many denominations? Well, because this one wanted to do one more thing that they couldn't do over there, so they went and opened another branch. You know, there are towns in, in locally in neighboring states that they have first, second, and third Baptist church on the same street. I am not joking. You know, you got, you got two towns in Alabama, Gwen and Gwen, y'all. They got upset with each other. You got Palmer and you've got Rimlap. Rim lapis palmer spelled backwards. They're next to each other. They got upset with each other. I mean, that's the way it works because they wanted it their way. They wanted it their way so bad that they couldn't, they couldn't stick to the rules that they all knew that there was. And everybody wants it their way so bad that they have to have teachers that'll say, you're right, you're right. God, God, God knows who you are. Well, see, that's the thing. I know who God is. Y'all know who God is. I just want to make sure he knows who I am. Not that, I want, not that I'm anything except his. That's all I care about. I don't want Jesus to come up to me at the end of, of the ball game and say, you know, you cast out demons in my name and you, and you healed the sick and you raised the dead, but I don't know you. Who are you? Because it's not about show. It's not about show, it's about end result. It's about, and, and, and if you're looking for it, if you're looking for the, the applause, you've already messed up. There was a, uh, do y'all remember Jack Marshall? Kentucky Fried Chicken guy? You know he's a concert pianist, right? He was a crazy concert pianist, y'all don't understand. It was, he made Liberace look like a rank amateur playing chopsticks. This guy was amazing. But anytime he would go to a church to play before he started, I'm getting goosebumps. I may cry telling you this. He would stand up and say, I'm looking forward to playing for y'all, but please don't applaud. He said, I'll get mine another day. I'm here, I'm here to worship God with you. And that, that impressed me so much because he said, I don't want mine right now. I got plenty coming. It's okay. It's okay, you know, and I, I'll say this. I, we all like to be liked. We all want to be loved. We all want everybody to know who we are and, and call us by name. And I'm big on that because one thing I learned years ago is a customer likes two things. They like to know their name spelled correctly and they, they like to hear it pronounced correctly. If you can't do those two things, you'll never make a sale, ever. You'll lose people. You'll lose people as a friend if you can't spell their name correctly. You know, that's why people call each other, hey, buddy, because they don't know how to spell their name and it's just easy. But we need to know who we are. So that's why Pastor told the story one time. I used to listen to, y'all know his CDs. Uh, Debbie used to sit in the morning and before she would have her prayer time as she's kicking him out of the house for the day, she's sitting there saying who she is in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Through the, I'm the righteousness of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I'm a child of God. I'm a temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in me. I've got a list that long that I handwrite and give out to people all the time saying, this is who you are. If you're a Christian, this is who you are. Remind yourself. I had a guy make fun of me one time at Randall. He, he said, I hear you talk to your wife on the phone 12 times a day and you tell her you love her every time. He said, why do you do that? I said, well, half of it's to remind me that I do and the other half is to let her know I haven't forgotten. And, I, and that's the way we have to be with the Lord. We have to be so much into this is who I am because of what you did. And we can't do that if we're looking for somebody to make us feel better about the, the bad stuff we do. You know, the thing I respect most about Pastor, he's a great mentor for me, but he's never held back. Not one time. When we first met, he actually was a customer before he became my pastor. When we first met, we started talking about theology one day. And then it turned into a win every, about every Wednesday morning, I'd come over, we'd talk for about an hour. We'd sit in his office and just talk, talk theology. And he would, he would just double down on me sometimes. And just like my oldest daughter, who, who's never wrong, I would double down back. But it turned into this mutual respect until finally it started just breaking through. I met Annette Garland, and every time I'd see Annette, she'd say, you watch Curry Blake? Every time, you did. Every time, you'd say, you watch Curry Blake? And so finally, I, I started Googling him and finding him on YouTube. And I was looking this morning, my library has 195 Curry Blake videos in it. It's crazy. But, but yeah, so we have to feed ourselves that stuff. We do have to seek out teachers. All these other people are seeking teachers to tell them what they want to hear. We need to be seeking out teachers that tell us what we need to hear. There's a big difference in that, just a big difference. So anyway, then he says, um, but watch, you, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. What do we do as an evangelist? Pastor jokes around and says it's the Lynn Holmes sidewalk and parking lot ministry because I'll just knock you down. And, you know, you come to me with your hand out wanting, wanting you know, gas money at the, at the pump. I'll probably give it to you, but we're going to have some Jesus time first. You know, ain't nothing free. You know, you're going you're to have to hear something. And, and so it's important. You know, the, the lady where I got my clothes uh, washed, I, I, one evening I went late. I forgot about my laundry. And I got there right when they're closing the door and I walk in and we stay for an hour and a half talking Jesus. That's who we have to be. We have to do the work of an evangelist and evangelists don't sit still. They're always moving and they're always telling The beauty of an evangelist is you can tell the same story every day. You don't have to, you don't have, don't have to have a new sermon every day. Just tell the same story. And that same story changes lives. It goes all the way back to say it out loud. If you have to stand and look at the mirror and witness to yourself for hours, do it. Get it to where your mouth moves that way. So when you're talking to your best friend about it, it comes out easy. When you're talking to the person you've never met that you're afraid you're going to run them off, it doesn't matter. It just comes out. And y'all, I'll go back to what I've said before. I can talk scripture to you all day. Y'all can do the same thing. We're, we're all really versed in scripture. People will never argue about your testimony. They can't. They can't because that's yours. And they cannot correct you about what God did for you. Can you imagine? Paul got the Damascus Road two by four to the head, right? I mean, it was like that. And he's changed. But what did they have to do? They had to get uh, Barnabas. Was it Barnabas that ran around with him? Uh, 
they had to take him to the, to the other churches and say, look, y'all know who he is, but he's clean. He's good. He ain't gonna, he's not here to persecute you, drag you to jail and hang you. He's here to share the love of God with you. But here's the thing about Paul. Never went to seminary. It was two years before he even went to Jerusalem and met with some of the other guys. Two years. So he had to get it somewhere. So the Lord filled him up. And I don't know that the Lord filled him up at one time or if he filled him up as needed when he got to the right crowd. So no telling how many languages the guy spoke, seriously, because of who he was. And the fact that, that I love the part when he's talking to him and he said, by the way, do y'all normally whip Romans before you, before you find out if they've actually committed a crime? Just checking. And, and you know, they had to let him go. But anyway, I can talk about that all day. That's fun. Um, for I'm now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I am so, y'all, I'm not going to step out in front of a bus. But I'm ready to make that same comment. I'm ready to say that, that uh, I'm ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. We have to live every day like it's our last moment. And if it's my last moment, I'm going to share it one more time. Just one more time. Just let me do it one more time. Uh, I've got, I've got a, a guy I've known for 25 years that I've really been just laying it on him. And here's his fear. He is more worried about, and, and I'm just going to say this out loud about people in general. Do people ever ask y'all about when you think the Lord's coming back? I mean, really, do they ever ask you? They ask me. They ask me. And, and I've learned that a lot of people that are asking that question aren't really so concerned about the when or, or, the, or the, they don't want to know the decade. They're trying to figure out how much longer they can live like the, the world before they have to suck it up and live like a kingdom liver. They want to they know how, how close to the door can I get before the door shuts. And, and we can't live that way. We have to live wide open for the Lord all day, every day. You know, y'all know my situation. I, I've had my struggles, but God's delivered me from all that. I don't care, that's done. And, and so now it's all about what's your witness? What are you doing with it today? What are you doing with it today? And, and like I said, it, it's, I have a blast every day. I love my job because my job puts me in 10 or 12 offices every day. I get to share the Lord 10 or 12 times every day. And that generally happens before we ever get down to business. You just go in, they look at me and they think, well, he's either the IRS or he's a cop. And once they figure out I'm neither of those things, they're just eager to talk. They can't wait because now they're not worried about anything. And then he says, uh, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. In this day and time, I, keep, I hear people all the time say, well, it's hard to have faith. It's just hard to have faith. Why is it hard to have faith? Well, you know, when the bills are due, when, when you know, there, there's not enough, well, that's the easiest time to have faith because you don't need it every other time. I love that song Waymaker because it says, uh, we were talking about it this evening before everybody got here. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. We're Christians. We don't worry about seeing or feeling anything. It's all about faith. We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. It's the fried green tomatoes theory. I'm older, I've got more insurance. I don't care. 
You can't hurt me. Scripture says, Jesus is my helper. What can man do to me? Why would I fear what man will do to me? I won't. I don't care. It's nothing. It is nothing. And so that's a, that's a boldness we have to have out there when we testify. What are we afraid of? Why are we afraid to testify to somebody? Why are we afraid to witness to them? What are they going to do? They're going to say no? Okay. Have a nice day. I won't bother you. I'm not going to pester you. I'm not going to chase you down the road because I got to tell you, God's not chasing us down the road to get us saved. He's already done everything he's going to do to get us saved. Now it's up to us. So if God ain't going to chase you, I ain't going to chase you either. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's the way Paul was too. Paul was, you know, think about Paul. He gets stoned so bad that they drag him outside the gate to die so the dogs can eat him. And he gets up and goes on to the next town. Can you imagine what he looked like when he got there? They weren't throwing pebbles at him. They, they were throwing big old rocks. He had bruises and cuts and his clothes were ripped up and he was in bad shape. And he just walked in and stood up at the pulpit like I'm doing and started preaching. Can you imagine the look? On, I bet a bunch of people got saved that day. Because they're looking at him going, if he's going, I'd hate to see the other guy. You know, that's what they're doing. They're like, man, if he looks like that, that other guy's rough. Yes, sir, we want Jesus now. You know, you know, that's what had to happen. He scared him to death. We have to have that boldness. We have to be so not afraid to get up and just say it all. And the truth of it is, all you got to do is start telling them about you. If you'll tell them what, it, tell them what they did for you, then they want to hear the rest of it. What's that? Have you ever heard that song? Uh, is it Guy Penrod? Maybe not. Uh, the end of the beginning. That was the end of the beginning. Have you heard that song? I'll, I'll, I'll bring it one day and play it for you. But the whole idea is, is the guy sitting on an airplane reading his Bible and somebody hits him up. Why are you reading that? I've read that. It's nothing. And he told him why. I had a lady. I was coming back from Denver one time. I'm sitting on an airplane. This lady probably probably in her 60s at that time. I was in my 40s. I was studying. And she said, well, what are you reading? I said, well, I'm reading my Bible. She said, I used to be a Christian, but I married a Jewish guy, and he, he made me change to be Jewish. I said, I'm sorry. So I gave her my Bible. And she wrote me a couple of years later. She had gone back to the church, and her husband left her. No great loss. I'm sorry. <laughs> she, she went the right direction, you know. But anyway, it's getting, it's getting late. I've kept y'all a long time. But um, I just, it was just so important for me this morning when I woke up, and that was a scripture I was given, and it was just time. And I know I've beat a dead horse about that particular scripture, but the urgency, the urgency to proclaim it with authority, not to say, well, you know, we'd love for you to come to our church. For potluck? I mean, what? It's like the church down the road here has a sign up that says, try us. Give us a try. What does that mean? Why? Why would I give you a try? You know, Pastor and I talk all the time about these church signs that people have that mean nothing. They're all pithy. They're all, they're all witty and everybody giggles and laughs. Tell me something that's going to bring me in. Tell me something that's going to change my life. That's what people want to hear. Because they don't hear it from anybody talking about church, right? Okay. Well, let's pray. Father, we're grateful that we've gotten to be together tonight. We thank you that, um, 
the opportunity was given to, to share. And we're thankful that um, your word rings true no matter who says it. It's just real and it is what it is. And we thank you for the truth of your word. Father, we pray that you give us all boldness, that we are not afraid to step out and speak your name no matter where we are, that we are ready when the opportunity is there and even when it's not. Father, we're excited. We're so excited that, that we are in this hustle time. We are in this time of it's time to get ready, that the, the marriage of the Lamb is on the way, and we are so excited. Just like we should be the night before we get married, we need to be that excited right now because it's coming. We love you, Father. We bless uh, Pastor and Miss Deborah as they, as they make their way home tomorrow, and I bless us all that we're safe in our travels back to our own homes. And we, we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, y'all. Let's... Uh...